just like to move out, thanks. I'm doing a Bible reading. Chapter 9, verse 1 to 12. He saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man or his parents sinned, but revealed in him. Who sent me while it is day? The night is coming. When no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he has said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbours of those who previously had seen him, the blind man, Said, is this not the one who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, Now, Pilate, sorry, therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus came eyes and said to me, Go wash in the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. Uh, Phil's going to be leading us in the message this morning and as he's coming up, I'll pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity to come and hear your word and... Uh, listen to it. We pray as Phil brings us a message this morning that we will hear what you wish to say through him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Phil. That was uh, John chapter... actually speak on this morning. Good news for the sound desk. I don't have any slides. I don't have any presentations. Uh, just a microphone and I could probably even get away without that. Who knows? Um, and who's seen that? It's, it's actually pretty good. It's free. You just go online and yeah, I mean, I'm not... Um, technologically too switched on and I can find it no trouble and you just yeah, click on it and away it plays. It actually goes through the story of, uh, I think it's Gospel of John, it's based on the story uh, of Jesus uh, as he starts his, uh, the story of Jesus' walk on the earth. And it's a series, I think there's going to be six series as it goes on, they're up to two. 
It's actually, it's free and it's by donation or crowdfund me sort of a thing is the way it's actually done. I, I um, yeah, recently injured my shoulder and yeah, I was sleeping in a recliner. I'd wake up 2 o'clock in the morning, couldn't sleep. So I'd actually yeah, get on my computer and I'd watch one or two, wait for the painkillers to sort of kick in. And uh, interesting looking at it, you know, as someone who's sort of heard these stories as a child, interesting looking at you get a totally different idea because they've looked into some of the, uh, the history, the cultural context as to what went on at the time. And it's interesting, you get a different idea of these stories that we're actually reading in the Bible sometimes. He walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Interesting that ties in with what Pat was saying, talking about uh, these generational curses as such where they're passed on. The sins of the parent are passed on to uh, children. Pat didn't know what I was talking about and yeah, uh, it certainly ties in with this whole study in itself, that particular verse, I'm not going to go into an awful lot of detail. But, uh, Jesus goes on to say, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God may be displayed in him. That particular uh, generational sin or whatever we want to call it is quite an interesting and conflicting uh, subject because you see in the Bible that there are passages in there where God says he will punish to the third and fourth generation the children of those people who sin. There's other passages in there where he says that he won't hold children accountable for their parents' sins. So what does he actually mean by that? I think it's interesting that there's a pretty good example in the Bible when we look at uh, Abraham, Abraham, as I think he was known at the time. We see one of the things that he does and then we, then we see that the example that he gave to his child or was handed on to his child his son Isaac then actually repeated we are an example, children are very impressionable we are an example to children around us what we do will be handed down not necessarily as punishment from God but it's the nature of sin that children are impressionable when they're under stress or uh, fearful or scared or angry or whatever those sins can present in their own lives because that was the way mum and dad did it. Genesis, uh, it's from chapter 12 and it talks about uh, Abraham and he says, When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is my wife. Then they will kill me but will let you live. Say you are my sister so that I'll be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. So uh, they've moved into an area... Um, Calling uh, Babylonians, I think it might have been at the time, and he was fearful because of his uh, attractive wife that they would kill him and take him from her. So he's lied, saying that she was his sister. Um, if we go down a few from Genesis 12 down to Genesis 26, Isaac says, and Isaac speaking, uh, at the time when the men of that place asked him about his wife, he said, "She is my sister." because he was afraid to say, she is my wife. He thought the men of this place might kill me on account of a Rebecca, because she is beautiful. So we see here Isaac following in his father's footsteps. When we see it talking about generational curses and things like that, 
we see that how they can be passed down and the importance that our, our example to our children and those others around us, uh, how important that it is. I think I was wrong where I said I think it was Abram, it was the Egyptians, I think it might have been Isaac, it was the Babylonians at that time. Oh, we'll carry on from where we are. But this happened so that the works of God may be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. I am the light of the world. Jesus knew, well, Jesus knew that God had a plan for his life. Jesus knew that his time was limited on this, uh, on this earth. Uh, he knew he was going to die. He says there where night, uh, night is coming when no one can work. Good example to us. We're not going to live forever. There's certainly a, uh, as long as it's day, we might do, must do the works. God has given us uh, jobs to do. God has a plan for each one of us, each one of our lives. The world, well, that's just part of his ministry here on earth. And as we see, uh, that is a message to his disciples at the time. They're still trying to get a hang as to what's going on. It's certainly not with their impression. They thought he was coming to conquer. He was coming to control. He was coming to be the king. Um, however, he came to be the light of the world. And as we are aware, he went about that in a very different way to what their expectations were. on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. I don't understand any medical significance in that. I've never heard of that sort of thing happening before. Wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. There was an act of obedience there. Jesus told him to go. Go wash. So it wasn't a matter of, you know, in some cases we saw Jesus actually healing people well, we saw uh, there was one case where someone actually touched his, uh, the hem of his garment and was healed. In this particular case, there was an act of obedience. He was told to go and wash. A blind man, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. How far was the pool of Siloam? I don't know. How did he get there? Did he have a... Were there seeing my dogs at the time? Cain, was there someone to help him there? I don't know. It was an act of obedience. He actually had to go. Pool of Siloam. I don't know who's actually been to Jerusalem. Some of you have probably seen it. It was only discovered, or, or uh, should I say rediscovered in 2004. Uh, if we go back to 2 Kings, and I mean it's always interesting when you can refer back and you think, oh, I probably have, I do remember reading about that. And yeah, you see the Old Testament actually tying in with the Old Testament. So in 2 Kings 2020, we see it was built by King Hezekiah uh, more than seven years before Christ, so seven years before Jesus to collect water from the, uh, it was a Gihon spring outside of Jerusalem and uh, one, there was a 1,750 foot tunnel that he actually made under the city from the spring to, to the actual uh, the pool. So yeah, for those who have uh, seen it, and I'm sure some of them probably have, well there's some uh, historical significance in relation to that. on but I was sort of snuck a little bit past because a lot of good stuff going on in this verse as well. Um, we go down to verse 13. Dean. 
your Pharisees investigate the healing. But uh, when we get down to, not coming up for me, where are we? Sabbath when he healed him. disappeared on me but that's where it is just a bit difficult in some of these so it's interesting uh, where I was talking about um, the chosen series and it was more than, more than once where Jesus actually healed on the Sabbath and uh, at the time, at the time there I think it's uh, it sort of brings to mind for me Jesus uh, and looking at uh, the chosen series Jesus was making a statement and it made me think a lot of what's been going on, if you look at what's been going on in the, in the media, been going on in the world at the time. And I've seen a few uh, videos or presentations actually done on uh, to, obey, to obey God or to obey government. And we look at the time where Jesus was around, that um, at this time the government was probably quite confusing, you know. Not only did he have the, uh, the Pharisees or, or more than just the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time, who were to a large extent controlling the, uh, the Jewish population, but it was actually the Romans who were in, in control at the time. We see Jesus going out and he's actually making a statement. He knows what he is doing is going to come to their attention. We know that Jesus knew there was a plan that while he was on this earth, I mean, if he didn't actually go out there and make some sort of impact, he would have come and gone and no one would have known about him happening. We see a lot of that happening from time to time when we actually look at uh, well, there's actually some verses associated with that where we look at the uh, obey God or uh, government. Peter and the other apostles replied, this is in Acts chapter 5, we must obey God rather than human beings. So there's a statement in there, but then if you go to 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 13 and 14, says, submit yourselves to the Lord, for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors. So uh, there's verses there again, and similar. There's sort of verses there. It's quite a contentious issue at the, issue at the time. Wh- who do we obey? I think it's quite obvious that if obeying God is not obeying government, the uh, thing we must do is to obey God. And we see Jesus standing up at this time on the, on the Sabbath and he's actually making that statement and uh, healing that man. If we want to go and look at other examples in the Bible, you look at Daniel thrown in the lion's den for disobeying God, uh, disobeying the, uh, sorry, Daniel thrown in the lion's den for disobeying the order to pray only to Darius who was the uh, governor or the leader at the time. You look at Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who are thrown into the fiery furnace 
for disobeying an order to worship a golden idol. So we see at the time, yeah, where Jesus is actually making a statement, he's standing up. up for what God wants. He's standing up for God's truth and he's actually making an impact and being seen by others around him. I know, uh, I think it was the Australian Christian Lobby, Martin Niles, he actually did a video on that, Obey God or Obey Government. It's coming to a time now where we see a lot of our religious freedoms have gone. I'm not saying disappearing, I'm saying gone. There has been no... uh, the religious freedom bill that's been promised for years, it just hasn't happened. Actually, when I looked into that, I saw an interesting uh, comment from someone very negative about uh, the religious discrimination uh, bill or, or religious freedom bill, as it's, uh, they're, they're calling it, because religious discrimination bill, as someone has stated, would write, as in W-R-I-T-E, would write the right to discriminate into law. So what they're saying, if they actually, depending how they write this law, it would allow Christians to discriminate. Because we already, when we look at same-sex marriage, we already see it's law and they've got law associated with that. We look at abortion, we look at full-term abortion, there's already laws associated with that allowing it. We look at gender identity, we look at uh, how children are, uh, we've already mentioned how children are very impressionable. We're not allowed to speak out about that. Even, even uh, I'm not sure exactly where we are in Australia, but I know in Canada and places like that, parents are actually being uh, punished for trying to have a say in the sex that their children are wanting to be. Western Australia and from a, and from a very young age. That's already law. Our freedoms have gone. We see Jesus actually uh, you know, making a statement for, uh, in his time uh, as to what he's done, you know, speaking out against what was understood as religion at the time, I suppose you'd say. It. Some of the laws about the Sabbath and things like that, we know the Sabbath is holy, but we know that uh, the way they were treating it at the time was not, uh, had become religion rather than respect to God. gone, if we actually look at uh, and this is going on further from the John uh, chapter verses, verses 1 to 12 where I said I've gone a little bit further and looked into it uh, and if we actually, I'll, I'll read from uh, chapter 19 where they're interrogating, they've actually interrogated him once, they're now interrogating the, imper- the parents Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it now that he can see? We know he was our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. And then, because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, who already had decided that anyone who acknowledges that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. So anyone who was following Jesus in that time was being put out of the church. There was control happening. And uh, as we get back to current times, I think uh, I was looking at... Uh, I 
Who's heard of the Ezekiel Declaration? Few people. Yes. So the Ezekiel Declaration was uh, is just only uh, probably this year, I think, was written by I think it was three Australian pastors. Uh, if you look at the history of uh, Ezekiel, Ezekiel was called to be a watchman. He was called, uh, a watchman was someone who looked out over the city, looked out over the city, warned of impending danger. If the, da- if the city was going to be attacked, they were warned of it. God has called on Ezekiel to be a prophet, to be a watchman over the Israelites to, to tell them what was coming, that they needed to change their ways because danger was coming if they didn't change their ways. Hence, the Ezekiel Declaration was calling on church leaders uh, to be watchmen over what is happening at the current time. It was specifically in relation to uh, vaccination passports. We see uh, with the possibility, and I mean that's still unclear as to what's going to happen with vaccination passports, but we understand the possibility is that if you don't have that vaccination passport, you won't be allowed in church. We look in Jesus' time from that verse uh, that I just read out where people weren't actually allowed if they followed Jesus, they weren't allowed in the synagogue. So we see in this time we may not be allowed to church in church if we don't actually have uh, those vaccination passports. Over 3,000 leaders within the churches have stood up for that. Over 30,000 members within the church have actually signed that Ezekiel Declaration. Our freedoms are taken away as we're being persecuted, as we're being punished, as we're being prosecuted. People are starting to stand up. Not necessarily the people that we would expect to uh, take a stand for what's happening. Uh, as we see this week, I think there's, yeah, who knows, uh, I've heard 2,000 and I've heard 6,000 Q Health workers have actually lost their job because uh, they wouldn't uh, be vaccinated. As people are being punished for not actually... Uh, it's not necessarily that they're anti-vaccination people, it's that they're taking a stand for freedom. As, as they're being persecuted, we see these people taking a stand and I don't know who's heard of uh, Graham Hood. He was a pilot who was uh, over 50 years a pilot, pilot for Qantas and he was actually stood down for uh, his, his, um, his push for freedom. He refused to, to be vaccinated, he was stood down. Interesting story, uh, if you've heard the Graham Hood story. He tells his testimony. Every time you hear his story, he's got over 50,000 followers on uh, Facebook, I think it is. Every time you hear his story, he can't help but give his testimony. He tells how he was, uh, he never finished school. He had a uh, criminal record by the time he was 17. He was addicted to porn- pornography. Uh, suffered depression, he was suicidal. He tells his story and he talks about the grace of God is the only reason that uh, he has any hope for today and he's taking a stand uh, for freedom. And what's interesting is that he can't help but uh, every time just about, and in the last month or so he's probably done a video just about every day, and he can't help but pray in most of those. So he actually prays at the end of it or prays during it to God. And what's interesting, uh, I actually saw uh, there was a, uh, a video done uh, and there's a whole heap of people who have stood, stood out as well. Uh, school teachers, police, uh, John Larder, a paramedic who's been deregistered for actually speaking out. 
And uh, there was a video done on what was interesting and when you actually look into a lot of these people, they have a fear of God. I wouldn't say they're all Christians, but they're, all, they're nearly in the majority are taking a stand for God. Some of them even asking uh, Graham Hood to, to pray at the time. So they have a respect and a fear of God, which is interesting that the people who are standing up at this time, while I wouldn't say they're necessarily Christians, they certainly have a, uh, a fear and a respect for God. Interesting, uh, I think it was about a week or so ago, he said he's had so many people asking him because he doesn't, hadn't prayed during uh, all of his presentations, but he's had so many people ask him to pray and he's got a lot of people who are offended by it. He says, I'm going to put at the top of the video now if I'm praying so you don't have to watch this if you don't want to. So, so many people are asking him to pray. Like I said, he's got over 50,000 followers. A lot of those people are not necessarily Christians, but they're seeing what's happening to our freedoms. As our freedoms are eroding, I think it's uh, time to take a stand. We see Jesus' example here as he's taken a stand and uh, speaking up, uh, well, speaking up for what God's uh, plan was for our lives. And we see Jesus' example as he lived on this earth as an example to us. I think if you look in uh, where where did we where do we first see freedom in the in the Bible? If we look at uh, Genesis chapter two sixteen and seventeen, the Lord commanded the man, "You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die." You see, they had the run of the garden. They had freedom within the garden to do anything. There was one rule that they had, and they broke that. We're not really good with our freedom. What are we doing with our freedom? I think um, it's interesting. Yeah, not what I want to go back to too, it sort of like almost looks like I'm saying uh, here to defy the government. That's not what I'm getting at at all. Because what I think is, is what is God calling you to do? What is God calling me to do? That's what it's about. God has given each one of us a conscience. Some of us will think we are obedient, uh, but we can be obedient to the God, to the government, while at the same time obeying God's words. Some others, will, uh, their conscience will tell them that they need to take a stand on this and speak up. I like the actual story of this man uh, who was born blind and you can actually see he's actually speaking out as to what's happened and all he's doing is giving his testimony. Similar to when I talk about this uh, Graham Hood, he gives his testimony, he tells everyone uh, about his, uh, what he was uh, like and tells his story and how the grace of God is what saved him and made him the man he is today. Oh, and I'll probably read from verse 26. Second time they summoned the man who had been blown blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. A sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was born blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Now, I like that he's actually making a statement and he's speaking out, you know, he knows that he's going to. Uh, <laughs> Get a reaction from it. Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciples, 
We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. No one has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. That is what I think we should take away from this. Look at this man's example. He spoke up as to what he'd seen. He spoke up as to what Jesus had done for him in his life. This is the example that we have. We're in interesting times. Our freedoms are being taken away from us. It doesn't matter whether you're vac- uh, pro-vaccination, anti-vaccination, whatever it is. When we start looking at abortion, we start looking at same-sex marriage, homosexuality. There are very clear examples in the Bible. God's given us those examples. Our freedoms are being taken away from us. Jesus is our example and he's given us an example and a lot of examples of people in the Bible to follow.